0: What is up, everybody? This is the Sharp Angles Podcast, the Sunday recap edition of the Sharp Angles Podcast for Week 8. We're almost finished with uh, the the afternoon slate of games here. We got one more going, Arizona and Baltimore. Arizona just got actually an onside kick recovery. Uh, it hit Nelson Aguilar. I don't, I'm not a scientist, Tucker, but uh, I don't think I would have Nelson Aguilar on the hands team. I don't know no. how you feel about that as an Eagles fan.
1: No, that's that's the worst place for him. It's it's the opposite of where you want Nelson Aguilar is <laughs> a place where a catch secures a win. I think is is yeah. the opposite place uh, of Nelson Aguilar.
0: But anyway, so that's going on. Baltimore's almost certainly still going to win and we'll talk about them here in a second. But we're going to talk about the week that was some wild results. We'll get to those here at the top. Another loss for the 49ers and the Bengals appear to be back to being the Bengals. A lot of stuff to get to. Uh, like I said, I'm here with Tucker Bagley. Curtis Hirsch is not with us. He's watching a hockey. I, I don't. Tucker, do you know what hockey is? I've never heard of hockey.
1: I think it's like lacrosse, just a little more icy. I think is is how yeah, just, it's been described to me. Um, but I do know lacrosse, it's a, it's a big hockey game. I know they. I think they're outside tonight. I think that's the whole thing. It's I forget yeah. what they call it. The Culture Classic, the Heritage Classic, something like that. So I know it's a big deal for the people up there, but it's lost on me. I'm much more excited about Sunday Night Football where we get Bears Chargers.
0: Yes, what an exciting matchup here for Bears Chargers. If you're listening to us, as a podcast forum, we do record this at 7.30 Eastern right after the late games end, or most of the late games are over every single Sunday over on the Sharp Football Analysis YouTube page. If you want to join us live, you can join us live over there. Just go to YouTube, search Warren Sharp and you'll find us. You can subscribe and you'll get notified for when we go live with this podcast uh throughout the week. We go live you know, on Wednesday nights. We go live on Thursday morning, Thursday evening. There's a lot of live content here. So go and subscribe and you can you can check that out. We did talk last week, but there's a there's a bit of an elephant in the room for you and I. We talked last week about how this podcast might be you and I, you know, talking about our two teams playing in the World Series. It seemed like it was heading that way. Both of us were one win away. Uh, heading back home, and then both of our teams proceeded to lose those two games. And now I uh, now I don't think that uh, I care at all about baseball. How about you, Tucker?
1: I don't care about sports in general anymore. Like My heart is broken. My heart is dead. I, I've tried watching the Sixers last night. That did nothing for me. I tried watching football all day today. That did nothing for me. Um, yeah, I, I've just been emotionless. I feel dead inside nothing exists nothing matters in this world and until you know spring training comes around next march i just don't care about anything it is what it is it's going to be a, a dark and yeah. lonely and sad and gray winter
0: yeah that's where we are that's exactly that's yeah. exactly where we are all right let's let's get off that we're, we're moving into halloween everybody's excited about halloween halloween coming up on tuesday we're running actually a great promotion over at sharpfootballanalysis.com you can get 50 percent off Any of our packages at sharpfootballanalysis.com using the promo code Halloween. That means if you're looking for great information about week nine for your fantasy teams, Rich Rebar's worksheet previews are amazing. Curtis Hirsch, after he gets back from hockey, he's going to write a waiver wire column, which you should definitely check out. If you're interested in betting, Warren Sharp's betting recommendations are available as well. I'm pretty sure we had a decent props week this week. I know we had a great props night. Uh, the other night on Thursday night. So that package, all of that is available for 50% off over at sharpfootballanalysis.com using the promo code Halloween. Make sure you go and check that out. And actually I should mention here, we got a we have a question in the chat. You guys think I can count on Jacoby Myers to put up 13 and a half points? I I kind of think you can. And that's one of the things that was written about actually this week was that Jacoby Myers, whenever you whenever he's with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, he has been targeted on thirty point nine percent of his routes, and with the other quarterbacks uh, in Las Vegas, it's been nineteen point four. I believe this is all off the top of my head. So I think you got a chance uh, for that. So let, let's hope for the best for you. But let's get into this wild day. We have to start. You know, I've been saying this for a while. I do the power rankings every week at SharpFootballAnalysis.com, and I've been saying for a while that there just aren't any good teams. And every time we get excited about a team and move them up, then they just get cut down. That happened again today. The Chiefs go and lose to the Broncos. Um, they, they've they been kind of just hanging on. I mean, we've talked, I, I think, on this show before that a lot of their wins have not been impressive. They had that big quarter against the Chargers last week. But outside of that, it wasn't like the offense has been impressive. The offense hasn't been what we expect the Kansas City offense to be. Now they go and, and lose against Denver in Denver 24-9. to It just it doesn't look right for this team. But it also doesn't look right for any team, so I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure what to like. What's the takeaway here? The Chiefs are still probably one of the best teams in the league, right? Because there aren't any good teams, so it's it's such a weird thing to talk about.
1: Yeah, and you just like you said, look across the league. There are a lot of teams who put up big points today. I mean, the Eagles put up 38 points today, and I don't know if there's a lot of positives that people are taking away from that game, right? With their defense really struggled against Sam Howell they, they struggle. They turn the ball over twice inside the five yard line. Like they could have put up probably close to 50 points and they just held onto the ball within the five yard line. You mentioned the chiefs. I mean, they've had you know one decent quarter really in the last three weeks uh, against uh, not San Diego, but the Los Angeles chargers, the artists formerly known as the San Diego chargers last week. And other than that, they've really struggled offensively the last three weeks and it happens sometimes. Like we've seen it before with this team where they kind of go into a lull, they may struggle and, I'm not ever going to bet on a team that has Patrick Mahomes at at quarterback, and we talked about it last week. They're still 6-2. and They have the second-best record in the NFL, but, yeah, across the league, I mean, the team that I'm kind of more concerned about, I think, is the 49ers, who they do have everybody. I know they didn't have Debo Samuel this week, but Christian McCaffrey has been back. He has been playing. That that oblique injury hasn't really limited him. Um, He had a, a full workload today with 12 carries and another six catches, but Brock Purdy is starting to look like maybe the guy that people who doubted him thought he would look like. And when you compare that to to what the chiefs are right now, who I think they can figure it out. I certainly trust Patrick Mahomes to figure it out. The 49ers have now lost what three in a row. And they are two games behind the Eagles, one game behind the, the Cowboys. And I think for that team, I don't know if you have a body of work big enough for that quarterback to where you can point to and be confident. They're going to turn things around.
0: Yeah. And I think, so the thing about Purdy is, and the 49ers do have a bye coming up this week, and they lost to the Bengals, a Bengals team, and that Joe Burrow looked back to being Joe Burrow, and that has been has been resurgent after their difficult start, and was coming off of their own bye week. And so there was a lot working in Cincinnati's favor. But the thing with Purdy is, I think that all that's really changed, I mean, you look in this game, he was still 22 of 31, 365 yards, he still averaged 11.8 yards per attempt. Uh, We saw that last week as well. We're just seeing the turnovers. We're seeing the turnover, as as PFF calls them, the turnover-worthy plays are actually turning into turnovers now, which is not something that we had seen. He had been kind of getting lucky a little bit in that respect. So it'll be interesting to see when they go into the bye how they fix that. But you mentioned them now, the 49ers. I mean, we still think the 49ers are probably one of the 10 best teams in the league, right? We're not going to drop them out of the top 10 even though they've lost – three in a row you mentioned the Eagles the Eagles now have struggled to beat the commanders in two games I don't know what it is about Sam Howell I have no idea what Sam Howell has over this defense Sam Howell took one sack in in that game he threw for 397 yards with four touchdowns am I right about that or no that was sorry that was a that was Jalen Hurts I think all right never mind we'll retract that but either way like they haven't been able to Sam Howell
1: threw for 397
0: is that right? Am I right about that? Yeah, there's no way. Yeah, Jalen threw myself for 319
1: and four touchdowns. Sam Howell threw for 397 and four touchdowns. And also, he looked like Joe Montana out there. And I, you know, shout out to Eric Bieniemy for what he did offensively. Yeah. There were a lot of moving parts, a lot of play action, a lot of misdirection to kind of get him, you know, moving, and a lot of short passes. Like John Dotson had eight catches for 108 yards, and as long as only 23. And this is a guy who is normally used to to take the top off of defense and, and go deep, but yeah, what they did offensively, I, I thought was was pretty great. And it was great. I mean, Sam How threw the ball 52 times. They only ran the ball, I think, 16 total. Um, I mean, they they really just put it on the kid to go out and win. And they had a shot. I mean, they they played pretty well um, throughout most of the game and finished with 31 points in, in a high-score division game. But then on the other side, you have Jalen Hurts, who I just doesn't look right. And it's crazy because he completed 75% of his passes at 320 yards, four touchdowns. Had a pass rating of 135, which I know is a very imperfect stat, but that's his best number in his career outside of one game uh, from last year when he beat up on the Steelers. And he's playing on one leg. Like he can't run. He's limping after he does have to scramble. Um, He was late to his press conference today after the game because he said he was getting treatment on the knee. He refuses to talk about the knee in, in general. And Right now, I mean, the Eagles' best offense is throw the ball to A.J. Brown and get out of the way. He had another ridiculous game, eight catches, 130 yards, six straight game you know with 125 yards, uh, a new NFL record. And, once again, that's a team that I don't think a lot of people are necessarily happy, like Sean Desai, certainly going to be under the gun this week for the way he made Sam Howe look, but they won again. They have the best record in the NFC. They have a two-game lead over um, the 49ers. They have a one-game lead over Dallas. For the division right now, they play next week on Sunday Night Football. But same thing, it's another team that you look at their record and you think everything's going well, but you look at the process and think, well, maybe maybe not. (laughs) Maybe there are big issues here, but that's the way it is for everybody right now. Like I don't know if there's a team that we can pick out that is clicking on all cylinders.
0: I thought after last week that the answer to that question might be the Ravens after we saw their offense really click against the Lions, a Lions team that had been – Good. And then the Ravens, to be fair, they scored 31 today. Gus Edwards had a big game like I think all the fantasy people uh, like me expected. He had 19 for 80 with three touchdowns. But Lamar Jackson threw for 157 with a touchdown, ran for 17 yards, had a really lackluster fantasy day. I think we were expecting to see more. And they more just held on against the Cardinals. They won 31 to 24. Like we said at the, set of the top, Cardinals got a a onside kick recover it could have made it you know very very interesting and so I expected the Ravens to be that team given how good their defense has been even with the adversity they face from an injury perspective and what we saw from their offense last week and then we walk right back into this offense kind of just being okay if even that feeling like it kind of was sleepwalking at times and so yeah you go through all these teams and you think are 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 any of these teams are any of these teams good. And I don't know if any of these teams are good, but it might not matter because these are going to be the best teams. The Eagles yeah, are, Yeah, I mean, like their record, they're not going to, the Cowboys, perhaps the Cowboys catch them. Well, you know, we'll see what happens there. The Cowboys obviously had a great win today. We'll talk about it later. But, you know, the the Eagles aren't going to get caught by a wild, the the teams outside the wild card. Uh, the chiefs are going to run away with that division. The Ravens. I mean, they're in an interesting spot now in the division because of what the Bengals are doing. We'll get more into the Bengals later, but yeah, these teams are going to be in the playoffs and these teams are probably going to be the best teams. And we don't feel good about any of them. And that feels like a, a big departure from where we normally are in an NFL season by this point.
1: It may be good. is just relative, right? Like they aren't good compared to teams. We, and it feels weird saying, you know, three, four, five years ago, but compared to the rest of the NFL, like those are good teams. And it's maybe just the, the style of play right now. Like I don't think it's, it's defense. I don't think defenses have figured out offenses and this is why they're, they're struggling. But I do think there is a part of it of the style of defense. A lot of teams are playing um, that offensive coordinators are still, you know, maybe running things that worked a few years ago and, and maybe not the NFL. I always think it's about counter punching. There are a lot of coaches and a lot of teams that have really great success, you know, at first. And then when teams figure out, which inevitably happens, right, everyone catches up to you eventually. What makes good teams and what makes great coaches and longevity in the league is your ability to counterpunch and your ability to to figure things out and adapt. And that's why someone like Kyle Shanahan um, has been so successful with his offense, Sean McVay, and what he's done. Um, And you kind of go through the list of some of the, the higher quality especially offensive coaches, you know, in the NFL. And right now we just haven't seen that. It's just a lot of play calling that doesn't make a lot of sense. A lot of play calling, especially in the red zone uh, across the league, that just kind of leaves you scratching your head. And maybe it's also the quarterback play too. We talked about it a little bit last week that quarterback play uh, across the NFL has just kind of been meh, kind of been blah. Like no one has really stepped up and stood out. And if you looked at, you know, who's going to be the MVP at the end of the year or like, I guess you would probably say Tua, you think? And even that, like, you kind of say, like, head-scratching. Like, I, I tweeted as a joke today, A.J. Brown should win MVP. And I don't know. Like, does he have a goodest as good case as anybody else? Because right now I think he's playing at a higher level than, you know, just about anybody at his position and maybe across the league. And I think that's a big part of it, is the way quarterbacks have played so far this year. A lot of the guys that have been the top guys are we expected to to take that step to be you know consistent week in week out Pro Bowl caliber players? They just haven't done it. And even someone like Patrick Mahomes who had an off day today, I don't know. It's just like you can't count on the Chiefs' offense right now to come in and drop thirty five points the way you could last year or, or two years ago.
0: Yeah, and so that also points to that's also that also points to that it's probably not all the quarterbacks. But I do think that it is it is partly the the quarterbacks, right? Like I think that that is what we're running into, and that's a real concern after today because a lot of the injuries we're about to discuss were quarterbacks, and in some cases quarterbacks that we at least consider to be above average quarterbacks. A uh, couple questions here, I want to get to in the chat real quick though. Terrell asks, can I get eleven points from DJ Morton? I actually like your chances a lot. If you're listening on Monday, you already know if I'm wrong or not. But I like your I like your chances a lot there, Tyson. Agent has uh, targeted DJ Moore on 15 of his 43 attempts, which is a 34.8% target share. All that's off the top of my head, so take the math uh, for uh, <laughs> with a grain of salt. What'd you say, uh, Tucker? Oh, I don't, I don't have you yet. I, I wonder if you might be muted, uh, but I'm gonna keep, uh, I'm gonna keep going there. Uh, but yeah, I think that, I think that DJ Moore is probably gonna have a good night. And then Josh asks, what potential trades do you see for, for. Um, the Vikings to acquire a quarterback now that Kirk is most likely out. I think it's more than most likely out. I think Kirk is is uh, out out for the season. That's what it seems like. I I don't really see that that happening. I don't think that that makes a lot of sense for where this Vikings team or where this Vikings team is. But it is a good gateway into us talking about. Talking about this situation, and as soon as he went down, Tucker, it looked like an Achilles injury. All the reporting we've gotten since then, it looks like an Achilles injury. I I think that's probably what that what's going to come come out. And this is a you know it raises questions about when are when are we going to actually see Justin Jefferson now? Are they going to hold him out? Is this the last time Kirk Cousins going to play for the Vikings? Lots of questions going on here coming out of this Kirk Cousins injury.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned like it it very rarely. Do, are they wrong about an Achilles injury, right? Like very rarely do here. He's getting an MRI tomorrow, might be an Achilles. Then you find out, just kidding, there was something else, you know, in his calf. And if you know the nature of an Achilles injury, more often than not, there's like a golf ball sized lump in the back of your knee. That just doesn't happen. Um, and if you watch the injury,
0: you can, if you watch the injury, you can kind of see it. And so, it's, yeah, so that's what it is. Yeah.
1: And it sucks because the, the Vikings have kind of turned things around recently. They, they beat up a, a Packers team that you know certainly looks hapless this year. And, and Jordan Love might might not be a, as great as we maybe initially thought at the beginning of the season. But, yeah, for it's weird because the Vikings, maybe if this had happened two or three weeks ago, we'd say, well, this season's over. It doesn't matter anyway. Shut it down. You can trade kind of all your, your high-priced veterans, start rebuilding, look towards next year maybe get enough draft capital where you can, you know, get a young quarterback in here to grow with Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison and that offense. And now you're four and four, you're playing in a a pretty weak division, although, you know, uh, Detroit's running away with it. And right now I think they're, they're going to easily walk to a division title in the NFC North, but you have Jaron hall as your backup. Who's a rookie fifth round pick. I don't think they expected him to play a whole lot because Kirk cousins has never missed a game due to injury in his career. I mean, he, he kind of was an Iron Man. He, he played a lot, although he was benched a lot earlier in his career and, and backed up RG3, but it's it's really interesting because this is a team at a crossroads. Your best player's on IR waiting to come back, and I don't know. If he comes back in three weeks and you're four and seven, do you just tell him to shut it down and don't risk re-injury? Can you do that when he's the best player and he's the one selling tape? Like, from a business perspective, I, I don't think it makes sense to keep him on, on the sidelines. and. Yeah, if you're Minnesota, I just I don't know where you go from here because you're not really in an enviable position because this is a aging quarterback who is already playing in a contract here, He's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. There were already discussions this week discussing like if if they had lost, maybe they would trade him, you know, to a contender who needed a quarterback, a team like the Jets or, or someone like that. And now you don't even have that option, right? I mean, at this point. I don't know. I, I don't even know if you want Kirk cousins back at his age, coming off an Achilles injury. I don't know what the ceiling is there and you don't have any options in house or readily available to replace him anyway. That's kind of how they got stuck with him. Anyway, he was the best of a bad bunch and shout out to him. He, he's played pretty well in his time in Minnesota, but right now I just, I don't know where Minnesota turns. I really don't like at, at quarterback. They don't really have an answer. And they aren't a team that's bad enough that they can you know, cross their fingers and hope they fall into the bottom five or top five of the draft coming up and, and maybe take a shot at one of the first round picks because they aren't really in that situation. So I think, I think right
0: now I'm Sean Mannions on the practice squad. Um, I think that we will probably see Sean Mannion. I think that maybe, you know, Mannion is easier to keep stashed on the practice squad than a rookie. Maybe they would just wanted to keep the rookie. We see that a lot. And so I would think Manny comes back. I just actually tra- checked out our injured reserve tracker that Tucker actually uh, maintains, which is wild. It's so much work <laughs> that Tucker does to maintain the injured reserve tracker over at sharpfootballanalysis.com. And I see here that Nick Mullins is eligible to return week 10. And so we can see kind of, I don't know how bad his back injury was, but so maybe we see Nick Mullins. But yeah, you mentioned it. This team was moving in the right direction. They're four and four. They're four and four now. They were moving right where they needed to go. And this is, you know, this pretty much takes them out of it. Uh, I think Viking fans have seen all of the Sean Mannion they ever want to see. And so they, uh, I'm not, i Jaron Hall. I mean, you know, he is, he is a, you know, some people got excited about him. He is a, a rookie fifth rounder. And so, yeah, I think that, I think that's it. And I, do, I do think the questions about their future are really interesting because unlike they did draft Jordan Addison in the first round, but to me, that felt like, good value. Unlike some of the other teams that were nearing the end of their quarterback windows or were just kind of like hold on a little bit, uh, the Bucs kind of felt that way. They did make some moves this offseason that were getting rid of veterans, especially along that defensive line. There's been a lot of trade rumors about uh, Daniel Hunter, right? And so I wouldn't be surprised if we see that move happen. And so I think that there's, there they could start like a soft a soft tear down here and then try to figure out the quarterback situation later, because I, I don't think Kirk cousins was coming back to this team regardless. And I, and I don't know, you know, maybe he ends up being the best option. This is just what happens. They end up being the best option for him because of the injury, but yeah, another injury to a veteran we had here was actually, before we get to that, we do need to talk about the Packers offense. The Packers offense ended up scoring 10 points here against the Vikings. They have now scored 29 first half points this season. 29 first-half points this season. They played seven games, 29 points in the first half. They're 2-5. and They're tied right now with the Bears uh, before the Bears play on Sunday night. Uh, Jordan Love is not good. They could be helping more. There's actually a great article by Warren Sharp on the website at uh, sharpfootballanalysis.com about the kind of offensive coaching issues that they've had in Green Bay. But Green Bay finds themselves in kind of a similar situation to Minnesota Perhaps they're bad enough that they're going to be in the market for one of these young, uh, soon-to-be rookie quarterbacks next year. But yeah, the the offense does not work the way that it's currently constructed. And you don't really have an option outside of Jordan Love because you know, I, I love Sean Clifford as a Penn State fan, but he's not an NFL quarterback. And so if you're going to try to make a change, I wonder if I wonder if we start to see some coaching changes in Green Bay. It's, it's going to be interesting to watch.
1: Yeah, that's just a team, like you said, like, it just feels rudderless. It doesn't feel like it has much direction. And we came into the season and maybe not expecting them to compete for a division title or compete for a playoff spot. But I think like a lot of teams in their position, the season was based, you know, the success of the season was based around whether or not Jordan Love proved he was the guy. And we're only halfway through the season. Maybe he can turn it around, right? He's only really had, I think, you know, these starts so far, but you're now into year three because you had Aaron Rodgers. You've waited this long. Like, you kind of have to make a decision about this kid within the next few months. And so far, three games, it just kind of feels like he doesn't have it. And this is an offense with, you know, they do have some weapons. Like, I, I think, you know, Romeo Dobbs is a decent guy. Christian Watson is a, is a pretty decent wide receiver. He played really well for the end of last season when him and Aaron Rodgers were both healthy at, at the same time. But also get at the running game, right? Like, this is a team that should be able to run the ball with Aaron Jones, with AJ Dillon, both ha- uh, healthy in the backfield, and they just haven't been able to. I mean, those guys had 11 carries for about like 45 yards today. Um, AJ or or they had 13 carries for for 40 yards. They just the offense it just feels like pulling teeth. You mentioned they have 29 first half points, which I think the only team that's probably around that number is the New York Giants, who scored their first first half touchdown last week offensively. They had the New York some Giants points, but if New York you're Giants in the conversation scored. with them offensively, that's yeah. that that's something that you need to fix. Like that should be alarming if you're being talked about like the New York giants offensively giants.
0: Uh, I think I I looked it up right before we went on. I think they've scored 42. And so they're not even they're They're like 11, 13 points behind, behind the giants. Yeah. Not a good place to be. They have, they have some questions to answer. They need Aaron Jones to get healthy as well. And it doesn't still seem like, like he's back. Another quarterback went down today, Matthew Stafford with a thumb injury. I'm not sure how bad it actually was. Um, you know, he caught a he caught a two point conversion after the injury. They were down pretty big against the Cowboys. It wasn't as big as maybe it appeared after kind of the first half. They were down pretty big against them. I wonder if this was more of like a cautionary thing. Have you seen any reports about this injury since since the game ended?
1: Uh, I haven't seen anything concrete. Sean McVay was asked about it after the game, and he just said he didn't know said he feels bad he, he feels for him more than anybody because really like Stafford was banged up all year last year he missed i think the last seven games eight games uh but he came into the season he missed all of uh training camp with like a mysterious elbow injury then he was you know healthy week one supposedly but never really looked the same and this year he looked like matthew stafford that won the super bowl two years ago he looked like a guy um with puka nakula with cooper cup when he came back like that offense was clicking they, they may not you know, be setting the world on, on fire, especially with the record. They're now three and five, but offensively, they're at least moving the ball and they kind of took a big step backward today. And I think, I don't know, kind of what the future holds for this team or where they go, but I mean, he's, I think a big part of their success earlier this season and what they can do moving forward. So I don't think he's a guy that if they're, if he's, you know, on the fence, they'll hold him out and like give him another week. I think, if he can play, he'll want to be out there. I mean, he's been a pretty tough guy throughout his career. He hasn't missed a lot of time due to injury. He's played through a lot of injuries. This one's a little different um, just because it affects his throw so much. But I think based on the initial reports, I would probably lean towards him being healthy and active this week. But it's also one that I think we have to wait till you know, at least at least the Wednesday practice reports come out before we can really, really get an idea of what his status is moving forward.
0: On the other side of the ball there, the Cowboys, they uh, refuse to play a, a normal game, script game. They come out and absolutely boat race the Rams, the defense. The defense scored. They sp- The special teams forced the safety. Um, Dak Prescott went wild. They finally got CeeDee Lamb going 12 for 100- 158 and two touchdowns and i mean it was a, it was a great performance they scored 43 points exactly the type of performance you wanted to see ahead of this game against the eagles the last time we had the cowboys in a massive spot against a team that we thought was really good the 49ers they laid an egg so it's going to be interesting to see what they do in a similar situation this week against the eagles for i mean that game like that that is that the best team in the nfc game even though the 49ers have already beat the cowboys now that they've lost three in a row like that's that's the kind of game we're looking at
1: yeah, and I think for Philadelphia, it's a huge one, right? Because you have this game, and then their bye week, and then you have Kansas City on the road, coming off that bye. I mean, this it's something that I think we talked about a lot through the offseason. It's this upcoming stretch for the Eagles, where you have Dallas, you have Kansas City, you have San Francisco, you have Buffalo, you have Dallas again, you have Seattle. These next six games, you could go three and three, and you might consider it a success, um, based on just how, how tough the schedule is moving forward, but. Yeah, I think the one thing, if you're the Eagles, that you might be concerned about is they've turned the ball over a lot. They turned the ball over twice inside the red zone today. Jalen Hurts has turned the ball over, I think, nine times this year, which is more than he turned the ball over all last year. He only had seven turnovers in 2022. He has nine this year. The Cowboys have been very opportunistic. And as much as I believe that, you know, turnovers are random, and, and, you know, I don't think you can really count on them on a week-to-week basis, especially – for defensive success, that's something where, you know, I think if on the Cowboys, you kind of match up pretty well in, in that regard and your ability to create chaos and create turnovers defensively, even without Trevon Diggs on the field. And that's really where the Eagles have struggled. When they take care of the football, they look like a top five offense. And you look at a lot of their numbers, they rank in the top five, pretty much every category. The two things that have really hindered them this year has been red zone offense and, and turnovers. And that's two, two situations right now where I think the Cowboys defense has been really, really successful. And Dak Prescott's had a lot of success against the Eagles in his career. It's, you know, a place that he's been pretty comfortable. And just like we saw with Sam Howe, who through two games against the Eagles this year, has looked like the second coming of Joe Montana. I don't know. I think that's a a tough matchup for the Eagles, even though we saw Dallas get absolutely boat raced by uh, the 49ers a couple weeks ago. I think that game on Sunday night, I mean, Sunday night this week we get the chargers and the bears. I think next week that's a legitimate marquee matchup. Like I have a feeling we're going to be sitting here at this time next week talking about how that's going to be the best game of the week. And right now it might have the highest stakes of any game of the year.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely, it definitely is up there as being one of the most important games uh, that, that we have and trying to figure out the specking order. But then again, as we talked about at the beginning, it, I mean, it doesn't matter because the Cowboys can come and beat the Eagles uh, and then I don't know who they have after the Eagles, but they could lose that game because that's the way that 2023 has gone. And so it's just been, it's been odd. Continuing on through quarterback apocalypse that we had today, Kenny Pickett left the game with a rib injury. It was an odd one. It seemed like he was coming back in and then he was just ruled out. I don't know if it was like a pain issue. I don't know if maybe he didn't react well. I assume they gave him a shot. I don't I don't know if he didn't react all well to that. Mitch Trubisky took over, came in, 15 of 27 for 138 yards and a touchdown, and two interceptions. One of them, uh, one of them was very Mitch Trubisky. Uh, let's just let's just say that. But I mean, that's not much worse than Giddy Pickett has done. Is there really any difference? It, does it even really matter for for like Deontay Johnson and George Pickens? Pickens did get a touchdown uh, from Trubisky. I I don't know. Like I think this offense is just kind of broken and is going to be broken no matter who's at quarterback here.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't think Trubisky's a step up from Kenny Pickett, and Mike Tomlin was very quiet about it. He refused to talk about it. That's another one where we'll have to read into the practice reports throughout the week and and try to get a feel of you know how he's trending. But you mentioned like someone like George Pickens. I was really high on coming into the season. He had a ton of like, huge highlights in training camp. Had a pretty big preseason, and he had the draft profile to be like, wow, this guy could really take a, a step forward and. I don't know. I thought there was an outside shot. He could kind of take that jump into being a a really good to elite wide receiver. And unfortunately he's stuck in a situation that it just isn't beneficial to anybody. And you can say that about anyone throughout, throughout the offense, Deontay Johnson did get 14 targets today, um, which is is to, to anyone who's holding him in their fantasy league. But yeah, I just, it's an offense that as you're setting your fantasy lineup every week, if I'm between, someone like George Pickens or, you know, maybe Zay Flowers or, or someone else kind of of that ilk. I just don't feel comfortable putting George Pickens in there because unless he gets a big touchdown, just seems like he's he's kind of useless right now from a fantasy perspective because he's not getting the touches and he's stuck in an offense that just seems broken. I mean, they had 261 total yards today.
0: Yeah, and to be fair, the Jaguars defense has been kind of good. But yeah, the offense, is, the offense is broken. It just is. Like, it doesn't work. And um, we've there's another another this offense is bad article at chart football analysis from a few weeks ago about Matt Canada. So there's a lot of those on on the website right now. Uh, so yeah, it hasn't been it hasn't been working. On Pickens, he made he did it didn't end up counting because his toe just went out of bounds, but he made just another wild sideline grab from Trubisky that he just had to contort his body, made it. Almost got that toe in and ended up counting. That's the kind of talent he is. If you just throw it up to him, very often he will catch it. Now, one of Trubisky's interceptions was one of those situations that he wasn't able to get back through the defender. But that's the kind of talent he is, and they're they're just not able to use him because of that situation. The Jaguars did win this game. They I'm still not impressed with the Jaguars' offense. I still think that they should be better than they have been on offense. Travis Etienne is still doing well. He did leave for a bit with an ankle injury, but he came back. So I think we're, we're
1: assuming that yeah, he still dying. had a big day.
0: Yeah. Still had a big day. So they had a, actually his big play came after, after that ankle injury, the Jaguars are now six and two. They're going to run away with this division, especially now that the Texans lost today against the Panthers. So a, another one of those teams, this team is definitely going to be in the playoffs. This team might be a very high seed in the playoffs. And I don't think we, we feel you know, great about them. One more quarterback to talk about Tyrod Taylor, also had a rib injury. He was taken to the hospital, which suggests it's, it's serious. He also obviously has a history with the rib injuries and kind of everything that happened with the Chargers when he when he got a shot. And so there's there's probably a lot a lot of that going on as well. Uh, he was replaced by Tommy DeVito, who went two for seven for negative one yard. The Giants actually had negative net passing yards. I believe negative nine net passing yards in this game. Didn't go well. Um, I don't know if Tyrod will be back this week. We'll have to wait and see. Daniel Jones, the reports on Sunday morning were that he wouldn't be ready for week nine. Um, I don't really know where this goes (laughs) for the Giants. It could be a really interesting and hilarious game against the Raiders next week. Do do you you see any news about Tyrod?
1: No, I haven't seen any, any updates. I did look it up, and it's the lowest number of passing yards, I think, since 2000. I think Cleveland had negative nine in a game in 2000, and then there were a bunch, you know, well before that. I think the the record is, like, negative 50 or something because someone gave up a million sacks. But, yeah, I mean, it's just a weird game to watch. I think, like, as total, the teams were, like, four for 40 on on third down. They had, like, 26 combined punts. Um, It it was a a terrible game to watch. Like, if you're a fan of football, I hope you turned it off and didn't didn't keep watching. Although the end got kind of crazy when Graham Cano missed, like, a 30-yard field goal. And then, yeah, they ended up scoring a a field goal the Jets did with about one second left to tie it and and going back and and winning overtime. But yeah, if you're the Giants, you came into the season with sky-high expectations. You had Daniel Jones, who you gave $160 million to over the next four years, and you were kind of stuck because you felt like you had to pay him and Saquon Barkley, and you only had one franchise tag. So you tagged the running back and paid the quarterback, which normally I would be fine with. But I think they chose wrong. Like, I'm not a huge Saquon Barkley guy. I, I think he, he, he's fine. They're running him into the ground. Good thing. They don't have him long-term because he had, like, 37 carries today. And, and I, think 36 another, like, I think he had, like, 40, 40 total touches because he had some catches there, too. Um, yeah. And maybe that's just their offensive game plan the rest of the year. Like, even when Daniel Jones comes back, like, let's give it to Saquon Barkley and maybe we can scratch out a couple wins. But that's another team, like the Vikings, where Daniel Jones isn't the guy, I think, you can clearly say he doesn't have a lot of weapons outside of Barkley. Like that doesn't help, but he's going to be around. Like you can't cut him with three years and $120 million. He's going to be on the team next year. So I don't know where Brian Dable on that offense turns because you came into the season with really high expectations coming off a playoff year. That probably was full gold. If you dig into it a little bit um, based on how they finished the year and, and some of the teams they beat early on in the year, but they doubled down on it. They tried to, you know, improve upon it. And even though I think their defense has a lot of talent, especially on that front four with Dexter Lawrence and, and Leonard Williams and Kayvon Thibodeau still flashes a little bit, but I just, I look at that team and I don't know what their ceiling is and what their future holds as long as Daniel Jones is their quarterback. Cause I think they have a lot of good pieces, but offensively they just have no shot at moving the ball against anybody right now.
0: Especially if they can't figure out the offensive line too, which, Again, they've spent on the offensive line. They've spent And they've been banged capital. up.
1: Like Andrew Thomas's missed sure. time, John Michael Michael Schmitz's missed time, but Evan Neal is a disaster at right tackle. Most of
0: the draft capital they spent has been poorly spent at at offensive line. And that's just a problem. That that sets you back. If that's where if that's where you're investing and that can't be a strength, then that's going to set you back. They also lost Darren Waller in this game, who's the one kind of pass catcher outside of maybe Jalen Hyatt. You have some excitement about Jalen Hyatt. Hyatt and Wandale Robinson. You know, they're both young. We'll see what they become. But Darren Waller, you thought, okay, that can be a reliable option. Darren Waller leaves this game. He was ruled out pretty quickly with a hamstring injury, so we'll have to see kind of what happens there. I don't think you were going to play him in fantasy anyway if Tommy DeVito is starting next week, but uh, but that's kind of where we are. On the other side, I mean, the, the Jets got to win. They're 4-3 and three now, but, I mean, I don't know how you – if you're a Jets fan, I don't know how you could have watched this game and thought to yourself – that oh yeah this is this is a team that's going to be able to compete with the best teams in the league with this offense. They remind me a lot just, of the Browns.
1: Yeah, it's like, very them and the Browns. Ex- I think are in a very ex- similar spot.
0: Yeah, but the Browns like the Browns offense at least sometimes moves with PJ Walker, where it you know it feels it feels worse with the Jets uh, than it than it does with the Browns, even though the Browns have, I agree with you, they have very similar problems. Browns ended up losing to the Seahawks in so a game we, we can get to in a second. A couple wide receivers to talk about before we move into some of the some of the other games. But before we do that, I want to remind you that over at Sharp Football Analysis, we are running a promotion, a Halloween promotion, 50% off using promo code Halloween of any package over at SharpFootball Go over there. Pick the package you like, betting, fantasy, whatever you're interested. We have an interesting starter stack package, which kind of combines those two. Go and check that out. All of those, you can get 50% off using promo code Halloween by midnight on Halloween. So go and check that out. The Falcons, the offense that was already struggling, an offense that benched Desmond Ritter today. It seems like they benched Desmond Ritter today. We can get into that in a second. They also lost Drake London to a groin injury. He said after the game he will be fine. Do you have any kind of intel, any thoughts on this injury for London?
1: Yeah, it was a weird one because it, I don't know if it was really like a muscle pull because he got hit, right? It, it kind of happened on a contact play. Um, so maybe it's some kind of bruise, some kind of contusion, whatever it is. Um, so I don't know. That That's one that I think we'll have to wait on as well because he said he's fine. Maybe he will be. He's limited in practice on Wednesday. I'm sure that's a good sign that that he'll be back next week. But it's kind of funny. Like, it felt like the Titans – out Falcon the Falcons like they just ran the ball a million times. Will Evans did throw the ball twenty nine times and had four touchdowns. But I don't think four anybody yeah. anybody saw coming. But Derrick Henry got twenty two carries. They they spread the ball around. Um, they they just they managed the game really well. They didn't even need Malik Willis to to throw the ball today. Although I think he did get in um and have a couple carries in like short yeah, yardage carries, yeah. um, short yardage situations. Um, but I mean DeAndre Hopkins had a ridiculous game, which. Just like the Eagles throwing to AJ Brown, like if all else fails, just throw it up to DeAndre Hopkins. Even at this age, he's still a guy who can go up and get four catches for 130 yards today, including a a 61-yard touchdown. So it's kind of interesting. Like I just, if I'm the Titans, you gotta just keep May in the game, don't you? Like you, you just have to keep or Will Levis. You just got to keep rolling with him. Like there's no future with Ryan Tannehill. There's no future with Malik Willis. You you spend a, a high pick on Will Levis. He kind of looked like an NFL quarterback today, even though it might have been smoke and mirrors. But the Falcons' evenings have been pretty good this year. If I'm Tennessee, he's my quarterback next week. Like, apologies to Ryan Tannehill, but you can stay on the sideline. You can be the top backup. You can hold the clipboard, maybe be ready to go if, if Levis gets injured. But if I'm Tennessee, Will Levis is a quarterback moving forward.
0: And what did you really like from Will Levis given kind of the scouting report of him coming out of college is he only took two sacks. He didn't have any interceptions. I believe he did lose a fumble um, in that game. Yeah, he lost. uh, No, that was actually Malik Willis that lost that fumble. So he didn't even have that. That turnover was not, was not on him either. Uh, And he threw four touchdowns. Like you said, Falcons defense had been good. A lot of that was on the Falcons defense, just losing people and DeAndre Hopkins just being better than everybody else. DeAndre Hopkins finished this game with four catches for 128 yards and uh, three touchdowns, four catches, 128 yards. That's not a bad performance, but this is actually one of those games where I do think there wasn't a ton. When quarterbacks get hurt, it's kind of it's not it's not going to create a ton of waiver wire opportunities this is one that has some waiver wire opportunities if drake london is going to miss time then you can start to look at maybe van jefferson on the wire who got five targets today you might not want a ton of this offense but you know that's there with with will levis if you're in super flex leagues and for some reason he didn't get picked up people didn't trust him people didn't think he was going to be the long-term starter whatever it may have been yeah he is somebody that I think at this point, if you're the Titans, you have to stick with him. You have to see what he is so that you can make decisions about the future. On the other side, Desmond Ritter left for a concussion check, and then he was cleared, and then he never re-entered the game, and Tyler Heineke took over the rest of the game. That, to me, is a benching. Maybe they're going to try to spin it as it wasn't, but that, to me, looked like a benching. Heineke didn't have a great game. He was 12-21 of for 175 yards. He had a big play in there with a touchdown, so not setting the world on fire, but they scored 20 points in the second half. This Falcons team entered the day in the lead for the NFC South. I assume now they're tied with uh, the Saints. I, I didn't look actually look at the standings before before we started recording. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's not working with Ritter. This team has a chance to win this division. I, I think it was time to try out Heineke. He wasn't terrible. Give him a week of practice and kind of see where we can go from here.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. I just, I think we've seen enough from Desmond Ritter. So maybe, I mean, maybe he could be a guy in the future, but he clearly isn't the guy now. And This is a team that you mentioned they're tied with New Orleans at at four and four top that division. They have a really good shot at making the postseason, even if they only go nine and eight or or 10 and seven. And they certainly have a schedule that allows them to do that. And I mean, from what we saw from Taylor Heineke last year when he was in Washington, he's fine. Like, he, he's okay. He's competent. He, he probably, if you were to list him among backups, probably a, a top three backup. And if he's a starter, I don't know if he's a top 20 quarterback, but he, he certainly isn't going to embarrass himself. And I think if you just need a game manager, which is what Atlanta is looking for right now, I think Taylor Heineke's as good as you can do. And I think there's probably a world where if Desmond Ritter was playing really well, you probably could have flipped Taylor Heineke to a team like the Jets or maybe Minnesota now who were, was a quarterback needy team. But I think they need him more in Atlanta than than they need you know, a, a day two draft pick or day three draft pick. So yeah, I'm with you. I think Taylor Heineke is the guy in Atlanta uh, moving forward for the, the final half of the season.
0: Yeah, and also just one more thing here on kind of the fantasy side. If Will Levis sticks around, I mean, Will Levis threw four touchdowns today. Ryan Tannehill threw the first six games through two. You're going to feel a lot better about DeAndre Hopkins. Even, you know, this isn't going to happen again for Hopkins, but you're going to feel a lot better about Hopkins. A couple other injuries real quick before we talk about uh, just a few of the final games here. Kendrick Bourne had a knee injury. Uh, it didn't look good, but there's apparently some hope it's just an MCL injury. DeVonte uh, Parker also left that game with a concussion. DeMario, Demario Douglas led the team with seven targets, only had 25 yards, led the team with seven targets. There could be an opportunity here for him, somebody to pay attention to, certainly. In deeper waiver wire. Curtis Samuel had the toe injury. If Johan Dotson had been dropped in your league, which is certainly possible, something to think about it after his game. Jalen Carter had a back injury. Uh, the the favorite, by the way, for defensive rookie of the year, Jalen Carter. Now dealing with a back injury, we'll kind of see see how that goes and see how that changes things. Grady Jarrett had a knee injury, and then Mika Fitzpatrick had a hamstring injury, which I don't know if you saw it, but it didn't look good. It was certainly non-contact. He looked to be in a lot of pain. That kind of looked like the kind of hamstring injury. That he's going to miss some time, so that's a a blow to that Steelers defense for sure. Okay. Moving on, the bank, the biggest game probably of the day, Bengals Forty Nine ers. We talked about a little top with Purdy's turnovers. I don't think we gave the Bengals enough time. Bengals are now four and three, and I think what was really impressive out of this game was Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow coming out of the bye week and looking back to being Joe Burrow and i am i am now excited to see where this team can go they have a really difficult schedule i believe they have the bills next week and then i think that uh, it doesn't get much better than that for them as they move forward i'll pull it up here but we're back to the bengal's being the bengal's and if that's the case in this year where we don't where we don't feel comfortable with any of the quote unquote good teams they could they could be in an interesting position here as we go forward what do you think
1: yeah, I mean, I think Burrow's up to eight touchdowns in the last three weeks. He obviously beat up uh, Arizona, and they kind of scratched out a win against Seattle before their bye. And this is something we talked about after they lost to, to Tennessee in week four was they had a chance before the bye to, to kind of claw back to five hundred? They did that. And then their win today, I mean, they looked like a team that everyone expected them to be in, in the preseason. And maybe this is show Burrow getting healthy and that calf finally working. He had a, a pretty cool run um, up the middle. On like a, I think it was like a third down that, that he converted because the the linebackers just bailed out and he basically ran a, a a quasi quarterback draw and and picked up the first down and finished with six carries for forty three yards, including a, a twenty yard run. So that's good to see him finally moving again. And yeah, with him and you look around the rest of the AFC, even with Kansas City faltering, um, Buffalo is playing really well. I don't think we're you know really talking about them a ton because they played on on Thursday and it's kind of forgotten by now, but. I think you look at it right now and I like their chances as much as anybody else, especially in that AFC North where there's yet to be a team that, that really takes command uh, of that division. And offensively, they just, they looked like the team we thought they were going to be, and maybe it just took them a month and it took Joe Burrow getting healthy. But Jamar Chase had 10 catches. T Higgins had a a decent day with a, a 33 yard catch as well. And Joe Burrow looks like Joe Burrow. And I think if you go into the postseason. They certainly look like a team that that's going to make it unless something you know catastrophic happens. I have a hard time saying that, you know, there's any team in the AFC that's a bigger contender than the Cincinnati Bengals if Joe Burrow keeps playing like this. Like he was 28 to 32 against this defense that, you know, up until today, I think, I mean, maybe after today, but everyone just said they're the best defense in the NFL bar none. And he tore them apart.
0: Well, I think to be, I think Curtis, by the way, Curtis, though, I hope you're enjoying hockey, buddy. He's been talking about how he thinks the 49ers defense is overrated all season long. And um, the last couple of weeks may, may have, may have borne that out. The one concern you have with the Bengals is just the schedule like bills this week. Then they get the Texans, Texans. We're not going to touch on that game, but you had a chance Texans to really put yourself into the, into the situation. And then you lost to the Panthers in a game that was an offensive disaster. If you're, if you're going through and trying to watch the cutups and watch the, the quick hits this uh, today. Don't watch, uh, don't watch Texans Panthers. It was a disaster. But they got the Texans. Then they have the Ravens, and they have the Steelers, and they have the Jaguars. It's tough. It's a tough run. But uh, definitely, this team looked good enough. A couple other games: Seahawks Browns. We hit on this a little bit. The thing about the Seahawks, I liked in this game, is they had that game against the Bengals before the Bengals buy, where it seemed like they were down by three points in the fourth quarter, or in the second half of the entire second half, and they could not close the game they could not get that touchdown to to really go where they needed to go it felt a lot like this in this game as well but the defense stepped up forced a turnover they got a big win a huge win for the Seahawks team especially the direction the 49ers are going I'm big on this Seahawks team I think that this is going they have a they are a real threat in the NFC in my opinion and so for them to get this win against this Browns team I think is good and you mentioned it the Browns are so good the Browns team is amazing outside of the quarterback spot and unfortunately that just might be their undoing
1: yeah i mean if you're looking for objective pj walker analysis it's not going to come from me i'm sorry that's just not happening and pj walker is deserving of a starting spot even if you turn the ball over three times today and that's kind of where they're at like if he's your game manager and he's turning the ball over three times like that's just not good enough and you're able to to run they had some success running the football and they, they rolled out i mean shout out to jerome ford by the way for actually playing today when we talked about this last week and it was supposed to be a multi-week thing. And then he showed up to practice on Friday was actually active today and had nine carries for, for 37 yards. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's a team right now where if the quarterback just helps them a little bit, like you don't have to win the game, just help a little bit. Don't turn the ball over three times. Don't make critical mistakes. They could be fine. Like they, they could have some success. I think they have Arizona this upcoming week and then they have some division games, but. I just i think there's a world where, where they could really be in the thick of it as long as the quarterback just stays out of the way and right now pj walker is, just looks kind of flustered at times he's turned the ball over a lot and even though he's won some games in his career he's turned the ball over a lot in his career too like this has been a, a trend for pj walker throughout his career so i just unfortunately you already had your buy so it's not like you can like take a week and get the rookie Dorian thompson robinson ready to go. Like, I just think you're with PJ Walker, you're riding with him until Deshaun Watson gets back. And who knows when that's going to be based on everything that's really happened in the last couple of weeks. Cause it, it certainly sounds like he isn't someone that that's ready to get back, you know, for week nine or maybe even week 10.
0: Yeah. I, that whole saga doesn't feel like he's coming back soon. And that, I mean, that makes it really tough for the Browns. They're good enough. Their defense is good enough to win games. They almost won this game against what I think is a good Seahawks team. But it's just, it's going to be really hard to reach that ceiling if you don't have that. The last game I kind of wanted to bring up here is Saints Colts, and the only reason I wanted to bring it up is thank God for the Colts for bringing us interesting football. The Colts always have interesting games. I believe they their their games lead the league in number of plays per game. They always have fun. They always have shootouts. They always go over. Uh, in this in this NFL season. Thank you, Colts, for having a fun game. And by the way, Colts running game, amazing. This is now their second time they've faced a, a team that we thought was a bad matchup, and they've run straight through them. Jonathan Taylor is getting back. Um, too bad their defense isn't good, but I guess, hey, that sets up fun fantasy games. So thank you. Thank you, Colts. One more interesting question here from Joe in the chat before we get out, uh, asking about Amon Ross St. Brown, are we worried about St. Brown's status? St. Brown was downgraded on Sunday to questionable with an illness. My general approach to it from my years and years and years of writing Roto-World blurbs is that illnesses, I don't generally worry about it. And I think that he probably will play. But again, you know, we'll see. We're just a week removed from what happened with B. John Robinson. I'm not particularly concerned about it. I haven't seen a ton of reporting around it. Have you seen Have you seen a lot of reporting over, over it?
1: No, I haven't, and that that's one that like you, I just I don't I don't really worry about illnesses all that much. Like that happens a lot, and I wonder if there's a world where you have to put a guy as questionable because I think that happened to a lot of teams this week where a guy popped up as limited on on Friday and ended up being you know questionable heading into the weekend, but he he plays. So unless something crazy happens tonight, I'm sure they'll say he's a game time decision, and we'll hear about it on Monday Night Countdown. But I would I would be surprised if he doesn't play. I, I think he's gonna suit up.
0: I wonder if, especially coming off the kind of the B John Robinson thing and the flack that the Falcons got from the fantasy and betting community, I wonder if NFL team or the NFL has told teams to just be as transparent as possible with these kinds of things. Like a week ago, would he have been put onto the injury report with this illness? I'm not sure. So I haven't seen reporting that suggests that he's in real danger. Perhaps I missed it. It's been a wild Sunday. but I, I personally don't have a lot of a lot of concern, but definitely something to watch. On Monday, Cleef Raymond would be an interesting name if um, if if Saint Brown was to miss. So, just somebody to keep in mind. All right, moving forward, you know we're done here with Week Eight, or we're, we're getting close to being finished with Week Eight. A wild Week Eight to be sure. Looking forward as we move ahead, kind of what are, what are you looking
1: for? The Germany game next week, the the Dolphins versus Chiefs. Yep. And I know playing a game at nine thirty Eastern. And having two teams like that, like on paper, that should be an amazing matchup, right? Like the the best offense in the NFL this year against a team that's consistently had the best offense really since their quarterback stepped onto the field. The the best offensive coach of the previous generation and maybe the best offensive coach of the current generation. I don't know. I I just I I feel like I'm setting myself up for disappointment because it's gonna be a game at nine thirty and I wake up early, super excited to watch it, but I mean that game on paper. I think next week between two teams at six and two, competing for the top of the AFC, it could be a lot of fun. But as I've kind of learned this year, getting excited about any sort of matchup that's going to have big offensive numbers hasn't really happened yet. So with, with trepidation, Gosh. I'll say I'm excited for that game. But but who knows how I'll feel at halftime, come you know next Sunday morning.
0: It actually reminds me. Um, so the Dolphins did cover today. But there is a there is a pretty long-running, strong trend that teams ahead of international games the week before their international game uh, do not do well against the spread. And obviously, the Chiefs lost outright today. As favorites, the Dolphins did cover. They We have another Germany game in Week 10 as well. And so here, I'm going to pull that up real quick. Um, yeah, that's uh, Colts-Patriots. German- Colts-Patriots. All right, so Colts-Patriots. Uh, that might be something to look out from a betting perspective moving ahead this week. I'm interested. I, I do have in super flex leagues, I am going to pick up Will Levis off the waiver wire in a few leagues. I already did it in one league um, earlier this week. I'm interested kind of see where the Titans go here, if we're going to see more from Will Levis. So that's going to be, that's going to kind of be an interesting situation. And again, I say this every week, just just be good. Just be good teams. Like let's have some good consistent teams. That's all I want. That's all I want. Please, please, let's do that. That's it for us. Remember, we have the Halloween uh, promo going at Sharp Football Analysis, 50% off anything, any package over there. Go and check that out. Uh, going to our YouTube. If you're listening to this podcast, go to our YouTube. Search Warren Sharp on YouTube. Subscribe. You can listen to this live. Um, we have a lot coming up this week. Rich Rebar's worksheet. Tucker's going to have all of his injury stuff. I'll have my power rankings out on Tuesday over at Sharp Football Analysis. Check that out. Stay tuned to the podcast feed, and we will be back to talk to you soon.